you for listening to the Wonder Podcast. I'm Joe Vacanti. It's our desire that you would take this message and that you would choose to live the life God always imagined for you. Isaiah 32. Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. In a little more than a year, you will shudder, you complacent women. For the grape harvest fails. The fruit harvest will not come. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Shudder, you complacent ones. Strip and make yourselves bare and tie sackcloth around your waist. Beat your breasts for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine, for the soil of my people growing up in thorns and briars. Yes, for all the joyous houses in the excellent city, for the palaces forsaken, the populous city deserted, the hill and watchtower become dens forever, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks, until the spirit is poured out upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness abide in the fruitful field and the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. That has got to be the most popular Mother's Day scripture ever spoken on Mother's Day. And about two weeks ago when God gave me these verses, um, we had some conversation. I tried to keep it respectful, but as always, he shows why. You know, research has shown that without a doubt, strong families reduce society poverty, crime, and lead to health and prosperity. It's almost like God's design for family in the Garden of Eden was right all along, like it was very good for human flourishing. A mom is often called the heart of a home, a good litmus test to the health of the home. She can set the temperature of the home. Often how the mother goes, the home goes. How the home goes, the community goes. So it's no surprise that the prophet Isaiah, who wrote these words, would have some harsh words to the people, specifically the women of Israel at the time. Here in the scripture, we have both a warning and a result of what happens when God's people become complacent and turn from him, but also some hope for what we can do about it. See, Israel had just had a king named Ahaz, and Ahaz was a very, very bad guy. And Ahaz was so bad that he went and locked the gates, the doors to the temple, so that people couldn't enter into God's presence. He was a gatekeeper. As a result, people were out of the presence of God and everything was falling apart in the society as these verses so strongly describe. And Isaiah was a prophet during this time. But after Ahaz dies, his son Hezekiah comes and becomes king. And it's amazing how in one generation, everything can change. Hezekiah was a man who loved God. He was in tune to God. He brought in a revival of faith. He opened up the doors to the temple so that God's people could go and be in his presence again. In fact, there was even one time where Hezekiah was facing a battle and he sought the Lord. And in one night, they didn't even have to get up and fight. The Lord 
knocked out all of their enemies. From one generation to the next, it's God's people who affect the society, who change things. And it's still that way today. We're in a season at Wonder called Creeds. And in our day and age, as a church, as families and individuals, we're asking ourselves, what are the beliefs and convictions we're going to hold on to? You know, many times we like to raise our fists up to culture, like, oh, that government. If it weren't for that government, if so-and-so would get it. I'm not saying that they can't have an effect. But a lot of times you look at society and all of those people are just running amok over there. The education system is, is messed up. But time and time again, it's the church. It's God's people who are the ones that affect what's happening in the society. We all love this verse, Second Chronicles 7, 14. It says this, if my people, not those people out there or over there, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Or we like Jeremiah 29.7, where God tells his people this, Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Our creed and our conviction for today in the title of this talk is only by his spirit, only by his spirit. We as the people, as his church in this time and place are convinced and stand on that without his spirit, we can do nothing. We will not see the changes in Buffalo we want to see. We will not see the changes in our family and our lives that we want to see in our nation or in our world except for his spirit. And we're going to be committing ourselves at wonder to be people of his spirit. Let's take a look at the scripture again. Verse 9. Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. I was thinking about that, how I've heard that phrase. I was thinking about one other time I, I heard that phrase, at ease. It's a military term, right? So they say, at ease, soldiers. And it's actually standing with your hands behind your back, your legs like this, and you're relaxed. You don't have to be prepared for battle or war, right? They tell the soldiers, be at ease because there's no clear and present danger. No wonder Isaiah is trying to get the attention of the women of that day. They're at ease. They're God's people. They're already in. Their future is secure. So what do they have to be worried about? Hands behind their back, comfortable. It goes on to say, Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. In a little more than a year, you will shudder, you complacent women. You know, there's a difference between hearing and listening, right? Anybody who's married knows that or dating, right? Did you hear me? Yes, I heard you. I can, re I can repeat it word for word, but were you listening? Hear is to just experience a sound. But listen is to apply, to do something active with what you've heard. In our verse here, give ear more specifically means to listen perfectly. Notice that God wants his people's attention. And it notice it also matters which voice we're listening to. What is he saying to the people in the world today? Are we listening in America, in Buffalo? Are you listening? Are you just hearing? Are you at ease? And you're wondering why our city, our nation, our world, your family is the way that it is. And then it goes on to tell this sad state of things. 
It says, for the palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted, the hill and watchtower become dens forever, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks, until the spirit is poured out upon us from on high. The palace might be forsaken, but there's a king. If we go to the beginning of this chapter, it says this, behold, A king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule from justice. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like a shade of a great rock in a weary weary land. This is like a triple prophecy. So it's talking about Hezekiah who would come to set things right. And then it's talking about King Jesus who would come to set things right. And it's talking about King Jesus, our yet coming king, who will once again rule in righteousness. He is our hiding place from the wind, shelter from the storm, streams of water in a dry place, and a rock in a weary land. That word behold is used almost 1,300 times in the Bible. It literally means be sure to see. But then notice this. It says things won't change until his spirit is poured out. I find that word until both exciting and incredibly sad. Until. Because we know what he can do if we give him the opportunity to do it. But we also know that he's waiting on something to do it. And that's sad. You don't have to look in too many places and even what Joe talked about a year ago to see that the spirit of God is lacking and so sorely needed in the broken places. And I was thinking again, this this until reminded me of Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, which is the verse we founded wonder on. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. The Greek word for able is the word that we get the word dynamite from. Now, of course, in of dynamite back when Paul wrote this, but we took that same Greek word and we created the word dynamite. And then the word power, according to the power, is also the same root word for dynamite. It's almost like we could see it like this. Now to him holding the dynamite to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the dynamite at work within us, to him be the glory in the church. Does that get you excited to think God is up there just waiting for us to ask, for him to do more than we could ask or imagine. And then he gives us that power inside of us that is ready to ignite, to do more than we can imagine for his glory in the church, for his glory in Buffalo, for his glory in our workplaces, for his glory in our families and all of the places that we find ourselves. Zechariah 4.6 says this, not by might, nor power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. There are so many Christians walking around without any power inside of them. It's only by his spirit that we are going to see the change. We've been singing Lord Send Revival. We've been singing Fresh Wind for the five years since we started it. And God is waiting for his people that are already filled with his spirit to be filled even more so 
We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us until that word spirit of God is the Hebrew word for rukah. It's used hundreds of times in the Old Testament. It means literally spirit, wind, and breath. But the fascinating thing about the word of God is that each word in the Hebrew and each word in the Greek has multiple layers inside of it. There's so much more to him. It's no surprise that Isaiah, who talks about the spirit of God and God multiple times in his book, is giving multiple different nuanced descriptions of who God is and who the spirit is. If you remember, Isaiah was this guy. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king and the glory of the Lord of hosts. I don't know about you, but I used to think that those angels had the worst job in all of creation. Could you imagine for all eternity from the beginning to the end? Here's my job. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. But, you know, in a different part of the Bible, it describes them as having eyes all over their body. And as they're flying around God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit, it's like a diamond in in the light. And every time they move or the light shines in and through him, they see another facet of him. And they're shocked and in awe and wonder again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. This is the Spirit that he wants to pour out on us. And I told you it was nuanced. When Isaiah and these scriptures say, until the spirit is poured out, he is referring to a specific part of God's spirit that is the warlike spirit, the one that is ready to set every wrong right, the God of justice. This is the spirit in our day he's wanting to pour out on his church. We cannot defeat our sin nature without it. We cannot win battles without it. We will not overcome darkness without it. So what are we to do? Let's consider our posture again. At ease. Later, the scripture says, the effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. And it reminded me of something. I know exactly what we need to do with our posture and hands. Look at 2 Corinthians 6. Behold, Now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hungers, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and if you fell asleep during that part, wake up right now, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness 
for the right hand and the left. So no wonder God's people are not being effective in these verses in Isaiah. And maybe we could ask ourselves today, why are God's people not being effective? Is the church at ease? Are we comfortable? We sing the songs about revival. We sing the songs about wanting change in our communities. We sing the songs about help the poor and do all of these things. And yet our hands are behind our back and our posture is at ease. We need to grab in each of our hands the weapons of righteousness. What are the weapons of righteousness, you ask? As did I. We know the armor of God, Ephesians 6. The word of God, Bible says love is a weapon of righteousness. And faith is a weapon of righteousness. And finally, prayer is one of our most powerful weapons of righteousness. And it was impressed on my heart to look up who were the first people in Buffalo to gather as a church. City's oldest congregation gathered in February of 1812 with 25 people. Miss Esther Pratt and Miss Comfort were two women who met for an entire year every night at sunset before the church had its first gathering. Every night, they had their hands stretched open to the lake, to the sunset for those who were to come, holding in their hands the righteousness of prayer and of faith. Day after day, night after night. They met above Miss Pratt's store on Exchange Street. Those of you who have seen the silo on the inside, you'll remember the part where the train cars have their exchange. The congregation went through the Great War of 1812, months, four months into it being founded. The burning of the city of Buffalo. And yet when their little cabin church on Church Street, church in Main Street in our city, just a mile away from our silo, when their little cabin church was burning to the ground, one of the founders ran in and grabbed all of the minutes and records of the church so that the church would maintain an unbroken record of its existence. How fitting that Esther, for such a time as this, and comfort, the name given for the Holy Spirit that Jesus left us with. You just can't make this stuff up. But they prayed that God would establish his people here. This Mother's Day by his Spirit, Something beautiful is about to give birth. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the beautiful gift of your Holy Spirit. And we say to you once again, come Holy Spirit, have your way. Wonder is nothing without you. We as people are nothing without you. We need you, Lord. We welcome you. We ask you to make us uncomfortable. Do whatever it takes to reach the lost and hurting and broken in our city. May we not have to be like the people of Israel crying out, looking at the devastation of their land. But may we turn to you. May we behold once again our beautiful King who has come and is coming again. May we behold him once again. May we pick up our weapons of righteousness so that so many others may behold you too. Thanks to all who give to Wonder Church. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible. Thanks for listening. Let this talk do only what Jesus can. And live your life in such a way that will make the world wonder. There must be more.